Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Court of Books and Booze. I am the Skywalker, and with me today are the two town bullies, <laughs> Jessica and Amanda. They've been picking on me all night. Wow, coming off hot. Hi. <laughs> Daggers are being flown across the room right now. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> They're being mean to me, guys. It's It's been an, a long hour and a half sitting here while Jess writes her summary. Shut up. <laughs> you can't throw shade like that. Oh, it's been thrown. It's on. Jess, I'm on your team today. Screw Skylar. <laughs> oh, thanks. I get the pity team up. No, he's being mean. <laughs> I... Unreasonable. Perfect. That's me. Wow. <laughs> Perfect Skywalker. Oh, yes, that Skywalker. I wish I could have got that on camera. The big eye roll that I just did while I said that? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Breezeway Book Club, where together we are going to summarize the current book we are reading separately. <laughs> Separately, but together. And dive into a discussion on all the questions, hypotheses that have plagued us through our journeys. And drink most of the time. Each episode will be about a new book that we have completed. It may just be a one book in a series or a standalone book. So, this week, the series finale. The big one. <laughs> the one that made me cry. Kingdom of Ash. Eighth book in the Throne of Glass series. It's a doozy. By Sarah J. Moss. It's a doozy. It's a something. It's a big boy. <laughs> what is the what is the page count? Nine It's nearly a thousand pages and a hundred and twenty one chapters. Some very short chapters, like maybe still nearly a thousand pages. Yeah, it was a, it was a like nine hundred eighty-seven. It was a pages lot or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It might have been daunting if we weren't so excited to see how the series ended. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> well, as always, Jessica's gonna hit us with our summary, and then we will uh, dive into our discussion and then rate the book. And since this is the series finale at the end of the episode we are going to series recap and rate and we'll recap the book and then we'll go over the series as a whole for a little bit any additional things there and then we'll rate the series as a whole and let you know what we're reading next i'm here for it i'm literally that's here good for you it. literally have to I'm be literally here, for, here it. for it yeah 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 all right let's dive All right, so for this one, we are going to recap the majority of the book, but when we get to the very end, the last little bit of this long, long series and also long, long book, um, I'm just going to kind of leave it open and we will discuss the final bit of the book together. 
and summarize it all together and everything that went on. All right, so starting Kingdom of Ash, Aelin has risked everything to save her people, but at a tremendous cost. Locked within an iron coffin by Maeve, Aelin must draw upon her fiery strength as she endures months and months of torture. Aware that yielding to Maeve will doom those she loves is what keeps her from breaking. Though because of the unbelievably insane and sadistic torture from Cairn, who I did pronounce wrong last episode, um, her resolve begins to unravel with each passing day. With Aelin captured, Adian and Lysandra remain as the last line of defense to protect Terrison from utter destruction, yet they soon realize that the many allies they've gathered to battle Erewhon's hordes might not be enough to save them. Scattered across the continent and racing against time, Kaol, Manon, and Dorian um, and their groups are forced to forge their own paths to meet their fates. Hanging in the balance is any hope of salvation and a better world. And then across the sea, his companions unwavering beside him, Rowan hunts to find his captured wife and queen. After about a third of the book, Rowan and his crew are converging on Doranel after getting a tip that that's where Maeve is, and they set a trap to lure her away from the city and her armies. At this same time, Aelin gets the mental strength she needs to stand against Cairn as much as possible and fights him. With aid uh, from Fenris, and they manage to finally break her free and she gets away. She runs far enough that Lorcan senses her and everyone there unites. Aelin, Rowan, Lorcan, Gabriel, Fenris, and a lead. Aelin is still bound in iron and is in the middle of a panic attack once they all converge. Um, they figure out that the iron locks are only open with word marks, and once Aelin is finally free, she offers Fenris the blood oath to save his life, because he broke the oath with Maeve by standing up to Cairn. During this time, Manon, the Thirteen, and Dorian travel to find the Crokin Witches, Dorian makes plans to take off from them and find the final word key at Morath. The Iron Teeth matrons um, find Manon the Thirteen and Dorian in the Crokin camp, and Manon slays the Yellow Legs matron, tells the Blue Blood matron to flee and says her debt to Petra has been paid, and allows her grandmother, the Black Beak matron, to run away in shame. In another area, Kaol and Irene, along with Sartok and Nezrin and the royal family of the Kaganat, arrive in Aniel, Kaol's former home, and are hoping to make their landing successful to cross to Terrasen, and we find out Irene is pregnant. As we move on, there are two, ba uh, two major battles going on at the same time, the battle at Aniel and the battle at Paranth. Um, Aeon and Lysandra and crew fight hard but end up not being able to hold the city and decide to fall back before being completely obliterated. They make their way north to try to get to Orinth as soon as possible. 
In Aniel, Kaol takes charge since he is hand to the king and technically higher rank than his father. They manage to hold the city against Morath during their battles. Dorian heads to Morath after learning the shape-shifting abilities from the Stygian spider he slew. He manages to find Erewhon, about to have a meeting with Maeve. Maeve finally reveals to Erewhon who she is and proposes an alliance. She leaves the meeting to go to her own bedroom for the night, and Dorian follows in the form of a mouse. She can tell it's him and calls him out. They then speak and propose their own alliance. They agree to find the final word key together and then unite their kingdoms. Rowan, Aelin, and crew travel via underground tunnel north from Dornell. Aelin and Fenris are both dealing with extreme PTSD. We see Aelin slowly learning how to function mentally again and regain her strength physically. Dorian finally gets the third word key with help from Maeve, but when he meets back up with her, she turns on him. Dorian is prepared for this and mentally overthrows her. He magically removes her ability to world walk and then brings Morath crumbling to the ground with his ice magic, and he leaves north. He runs into Aelin, Rowan, Kaol, Irene, and crew. They now have all three word keys and vote to decide to close the word gate now instead of waiting and going to Terrison first. Dorian and Aelin do it together, hoping to only have to give half of each of themselves instead of all of each of themselves. Once they open the gate and are between realms, they encounter Dorian's dad, the previous king, who offers to take him uh, take his place in this situation. And then Aelin shoves Dorian back through the portal. She fully opens the world gate um, with help of the previous king, who then fades away. And Aelin now has no magic because she gave all of hers to the word gate. She then encounters all of the gods and Elena. The gods turn on Aelin, uh, completely eradicate Elena, and then refuse to take Erewhon with them not upholding their end of any sort of the bargain that had been originally made to humans. Aelin sends them back to their realm, but before their gate closes, Mala gives Aelin a kernel of her fire to keep and says that she will be, make it, be able to make it back to her world. Aelin then opens a gate to hell in the gods' realm and listens to them scream as she closes their own gate. She falls through other worlds, searching for her own by using a tether from Rowan inked into her new tattoo. Adian, Lysandra, and crew have made it to Terrison at this point and are battling at Orinth against Morath. They're quickly losing ground and are prepared to completely fall after many, many days of harsh and strenuous battle. Aelin and their group encounter the Lord of the North, the infamous white stag of Terrison, along with the little folk who all guide them swiftly across the land to hopefully get to Orinth in time to save the current battle. And that is where we get to the big ending and everything that went on. So how you feeling, guys? 
That was concise, Jessica. That was crazy. <laughs> Sorry. Was that, that was good? Was that too short? No, it was good. <laughs> After I just the last I, one was so long because we did both. Yeah. And so yeah, but yeah, we're, I like it. We're sitting here looking at Facebook like, mm, what's going on? <laughs> well, in she's the world? doing so good. We don't have to worry. <laughs> well, the book's not done. We're we're at the end. We're at the end of the book where the big, the big battles taken place. So there's a lot going on in because we've got all we've got all of our characters at this point mm-hmm. in one spot in the same spot. This has never happened in any of the books yet so far. Having all, just say other than the like original trio because we've just been adding characters here yeah. and there. So yeah, 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 yeah. We've got everybody. It's a big big finale. Yeah, in the same spot, all at. The place where it originally started, mm-hmm. all all back at Orinth in Terrison. So, how do you guys want to handle it? Do we want to go back and talk about the first half of the book, or and then finish it out at the end, or do we want to just finish out the book and then go back and talk about it? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of talking points at the beginning of this book too yeah why don't we why don't we talk about what has happened thus far in the book and then we will just dive right into that very end and how this whole book and series finished out so how'd you feel about the beginning i mean the first three quarters of the book that was brutal oh my gosh thought there was a lot of filler that wasn't necessary I felt like I, because we were talking about this yesterday. I felt like the first, like three to four hundred pages could have been condensed quite a bit. I didn't think that we needed all of that. I mean, I understand like it was there, but I, I don't know. Some of it just seemed unnecessary, in my opinion. And see, that's where I'm a little bit opposite. While I definitely thought the two books we read before this that we tandem read that there was extreme filler in those books and that they could have been made way more concise. I disagree with this one. I, I didn't find a whole lot of filler. And if I did think that there was filler or something like extra, it was, you know, two sentences here or there, like Mm. very minimal things that I'm like, we didn't need that detail, Mm. but that's just my thought. Yeah. I just was like, I don't know why, why, I'm reading this. Yeah. Not like why I'm reading this, but I don't know why this is here. Yeah. So I don't know. I just like the first half was kind of hard for me to Mm -hmm. finish out. Honestly, personally. That, that very beginning though, that there was so much, uh, descriptive torture. It was really brutal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That that was definitely a part that I know Skylar and I were both like, Ouch. I know. I like had to step away at a couple points. I was just like, okay, let's take a breather for a second. And then maybe like half hour later, hour later, I'm like, okay, let's just finish it out. And mm-hmm. then there was something else. Mm-hmm. And it was just one thing after another. And I, it was hard for me to read at some points mm-hmm. because it was very descriptive. Yeah. It was, it was something with the torture that, that Karen and Maeve were doing. I mean, it was intense physical torture it was intense mental torture it was you know along with breaking her body it was breaking her soul and her willpower and and everything you know make, yeah. especially the parts were making making her wonder whether things were real or weren't you know yeah. weren't or 
what? Yeah. Yeah. And then just sending her to a healer <laughs> so then we could just go back and do different things the next day. Yeah. Like, it's insane. Yeah. Insane. Like, I couldn't, I cannot imagine just well, what was being done, like. And even at that point, it, it, it made her, which we saw later, it made her um, connect healers and healing to torture, mm-hmm. which, you know, made her apprehensive of the healers later, which right. was just crazy. Sky? Yeah. Brutal. <laughs> brutal, brutal. Um, I really like this section of the book because we get a link between Fenris and Aelin. Yes. Yeah. Um, and as this book goes on, you, I really, really, really start to like Fenris. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, you know, he played a pretty big role in Empire Storms, but he was just kind of He was there. her grounding link right. to reality and mm-hmm. humanity at that point. So him losing his brother and then getting the... Real brutally. Yeah. Getting the um, blood oath was, I think, just real fitting for the first section of this book. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, good link. I was still a little confused in the the part with Connell in, in how she said that he was talking freely... But it's like, was he talking freely mm. in in the horrible things he was saying to Fenris, or was she yeah. still doing some sort of mind games there, or or what? It doesn't really. It was kind of trippy because you really didn't know. No, we still don't know. We still don't know. So yeah, that was the question I had too because I was. It was just so well, and could be, could not be, and Fenris won't ever know. You know, right? At that, but we won't ever know either. Right, <laughs> you know, right. so that's just something that he has to end, end up living with, right. which just makes that PTSD so bad. Can't imagine. Mm-mm. Were they even really brothers? Did Maeve implant it into their brain to <laughs> think <guess>. that? <laughs> See, this is this is my problem with like mind control and media. Or, you know, being able to change people's memories is because it's like... There's no rules. Yeah, exactly. You can you can go back at any point in any of these books and be like, well, Maeve implanted that memory. So now it's just completely, completely worthless. We see it with Rowan, yeah. you know? I kind of so. like that aspect of the story, though. Like, because I loved that, like, going into the series, too. Because at the very beginning, like, we were told everything that was being thought and every single plan that was happening. But then as her writing progressed and she matured throughout the series, I love the fact that things were happening and you had no idea what the hell was going on until mm-hmm. afterwards when it was explained. And I kind of like not knowing. Yeah. Cause I think that it increases talks like this and really fuels that kind of stuff because it could be this, there could be a whole other theory out there that she was thinking that we haven't even come across yet, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it just really keeps like readers enticed throughout yeah. the entire thing because it could be this, it could not it could yeah. be so many things. It keeps it open for so much discussion afterward because there isn't an answer necessarily. Yeah. 
But I did. It's all just inference. Yeah, and I I had mentioned that in previous episodes where I love that part where we had started moving towards. Okay, now even the reader doesn't know what the hell's going on and what's happening because there were so many moments that I, gosh, that I live for when I'm literally like jaw dropping reading this book. Yeah, and like I seriously thrive on those moments, and I wanted. I there were so many in the series, and that's why I, I like the not knowing aspect of it. Yep. Can you imagine if these later books were written like Throne of Glass where it was all just Aelin's point of view and we were getting every little detail? I don't think I would have finished it. (laughs) Just how miserable these last couple books would have been. They'd have been a lot longer than 987 pages. So I mean I I enjoyed the first half of the book. I I'm kind of right in the middle of both of you. I mean I like that we get into the nitty-gritty and kind of get the minute details but at the same time I just felt like we were fed way too much. One point that like I wanted to touch on with um the bits that might have seemed tedious or might have been additional details that were unneeded or just um parts in time that seemed kind of like stasis is it seemed from what I have just in you know doing my after research and everything and some things I kind of agreed with were it seems like SJM really got good at um writing war and battles because it's not always the action. I mean, she wrote a lot about how, you know, war and battles actually are where a lot of it's just waiting. Um, A lot of it's just the emotional unravelment of Mm -hmm. it. You know, the, um, the, the getting no sleep, the your mind going crazy, you know, the just waiting and the preparations and the, you know, things like that. So it's like there was a lot of parts that seemed tedious or that it could have been cut out, but it seemed like it was really fitting for the situation and like getting you into the place that they were at at that time. So I didn't mind that. I agree with you to an extent, but I'm not going to say why. There's a part of me that doesn't like her war writing, and I will talk about that later when we get towards the end of the book. Okay. But I agree that for being realistic in the down periods and the strategizing, it was good. It was very good because that is very, very real. It's not just fighting, fighting, fighting all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I and I like that there was like more than one location where there were battles going on because that is also very realistic. It's not just one big battle scene and then it's over. Yeah. Like a lot of times you see in movies right? where it's just, yeah. (laughs) In my head, I was just like Lord of the Rings. And I was like Game of Thrones. (laughs) Nerds. As if you're not. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about your birthday party. (laughs) Yeah, pause. What did you do for your birthday party, Skylar? <laughs> the big 3-0. Skylar's 30, guys. 
When this releases, you will be 30. <laughs> 30, flirty, and... <laughs> Nerdy! <laughs> yeah, just rented out a movie theater for me, and we got to watch Fellowship of the Ring on the big screen. So, that's a mark off the bucket list, seeing Lord of the Rings on in theater. It was very fun. Stouter and I were talking, and he when he walked in, he's like, guys, are we just watching the first movie? And I was like, yeah, we're just watching the first one. He's like, I was prepared to watch all three. And I was like, dude, me too. <laughs> I was so ready, and Nick was not. But I was like, ringing in the new year, watching Lord of the Rings, I'm here for it. Lord of the ringing in the new year. Exactly. <laughs> like, it could have been the title of your I event. <laughs> oh, opportunity missed. Opportunity <laughs> missed. Oh, it was so fun, though. We had a blast. It was. It was a good time. <laughs> anyway, maybe we can move that section in the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> Just copy and paste it over. That's how it works, right? Sort of. Uh, where are we at? How did you guys feel about the whole Manon, Dorian, 13, finding the Krokens mm. and that subsequent... Uh, Honestly, it was the most boring part of this book. Yeah. I, it, it's no secret that I, I like Manon. I like Manon's story. Um, I felt like that was the most drawn out, wordy, could have been cut in half section of this book was her trying to figure out everything with the Krogans. And I mean, you know, I it's it's almost a necessary evil to have it in there, but not to the extent that it was. I can see that. I can definitely see where there it was. It seemed like there was more than necessary for that part. I mean, I think if it was shortened and made more concise, and some things were taken out, that the same could be argued about it being too short. Because then people would have been like, well, this was way too short a time for her and a black beak iron teeth to get in good graces with the Krokens that she has slaughtered for the last hundred years. So, like, I can see we're needing more time to show the slow build of those relationships. I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but, I mean, you can break it down into three three major parts. She meets the Krokens. She buries the Krokens. She has her meeting with the Blue Bloods. Or the, the Iron Teeth. And then you just move on. Instead, we got... She meets the Krokens. We have 15... not 15, Well, maybe 15 chapters of her talking to the Krokens, trying to figure out what they're going to do. They leave to go to the, the War Summit, for lack of a better term, that's been attacked by Erewhon's forces. And then they bury him. And then we go back to the Kroken camp and we have another 15 chapters of just dialogue between her and, uh, was it? Glennis. Glennis. Yeah. I was going to say Glenn. I knew that wasn't right. Glennis and Bron Bronwyn. Bronwyn. And it just, it just kind of. Drug on. It did. Well, and but I mean, also in that time too. I mean, Dorian's with them, and so he's doing his own thing, interspersed with that in in you know the Stygian Spider thing, the trying to you know figure out what he's doing with Morad, the learning shape shifting, the you know that's kind of interspersed in that also because they're 
at the same place. Yeah, but it was still slow. I agree. I I don't disagree. I'm just saying that it could be argued. And I mean, it's to me, it's arguably one of the more interesting parts of the story is this whole lead up to where Manon finally is. The bridge. Right. But it's just, I mean, it was so slow in this book. And we don't even get like a... Um, a reveal until almost the last what? Yeah, yeah. Fourth of the book. Yeah, she doesn't finally get that, you know. And then that alliance, that it, 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 witch queen, yeah. sort it, of stuff going on. It just all kind of seems for naught at that <laughs> point too, because of everything that goes on afterwards. But yeah. What's your opinion? <laughs> you see, you should have seen the look she just shot me. Well, it's wrong. <laughs> no, it's not wrong. I definitely also thought it was a lot of dialogue. It, it I can't tell you. I, I wish I would have counted how many times she said, well, I don't know what I need to do to get them to follow me or some sort of variation mm-hmm. of that because there were so many times that like she, either she verbally or mentally said that that it's like just, we don't need to keep asking the same question just get to the writing where she does you know you can you can break this book down at the very beginning into to four story paths you have the Orinth, which is Adion and Lysandra the Aelin and Rowan Manon and Kaol and the Kaol and Manon stories in this book were just boring. I I think there were definitely boring parts, but then there were also parts that Are we still talking weren't. about this book or are we talking about the series? This book. This book? This book. Oh, okay. Just Kingdom of Ash. I mean, what did you think about the Manon section? <laughs> I didn't mind it. Yeah. But I had already been preparing because I thought the beginning part of the book was boring. Yeah. True. <laughs> so I was already mentally there. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, all right, let's go through it. And I think that if we're still continuing on the discussion that we just had about it being realistic with warfare, I mean, you can't really complete what she completed in three conversations. Yeah. So, if we're going to stay on that same mindset, I think that it was fitting writing. Oh, I mean... But, like, I was there. I was already mentally there for the long, Mm drawn-out storyline. So, I was just like, here's another one. Throw another one at me. That's where I was at. So. So, I guess maybe I just didn't notice, because... I, I think at this point, I was just so used to Manon and the Thirteen oh, yeah. having a more kind of a... Action-packed. Uh, yeah. yeah. Everything they were doing had a purpose, had a cause that was immediate. Yeah. And this is the long, drawn-out game that Manon's not good at. And I understand why it needed to be done this way, but at the same time, I just didn't like it. No, but I agree because her previous stories have been very stern, very to the point. Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to do this, like fast decision making, and this was not what we were used to. Yeah. So I agree in that aspect. 
Yeah, well, and I mean, and then, so her storyline change of pace kind of went along with her personality and character development change of pace that was going on from just rough to the point action packed to slowing down that inward thinking and she's a little tender hearted now <clears throat> she's a little something <laughs> she's got a little bit of a soft heart like the Grinch <laughs> she's got, she got a very tender heart right now yes <laughs> Because we were just talking about Christmas movies earlier. Oh my goodness. (laughs) How many can we name in this episode to compare to this book? Manon softened like the Grinch. (laughs) Any thoughts on the travel of Aelin, Rowan, and crew through the underground? I, I actually really like that whole... That whole little section of the book where they're like, well, we can't go above ground because obviously Maeve is going to be pissed. Yeah. And we can't go, you know, we can't fly because, well, obviously that has its limits. So they. So the little folk lead them to the cave to take the tunnels. It's just kind of a, a emotionally rough trying to maneuver both Aelin and Fenris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I I feel like what what was it? It was probably four chapters of them going through the the caves if that. Something like that, yeah. I feel like it was needed for those two characters to kind of have that cool down. Yeah, I agree. Um, Time to go inward. Right. And because, I mean, do a at little this bit point, to come out of that. Fenris hasn't even left his wolf form, right? Nope. Mm-mm. He so. doesn't leave his wolf form until they stop the boat in the caves mm-hmm. and go into the the gold den <laughs> you know whoa that's the new start... podcast studio name oh, God. i didn't even realize what i said oh my gosh i love it the gold den oh my gosh oh i like that so much better than studio s i don't know whether i love it or hate it anyway they go into the cave with the hordes of gold from the one creature that I don't remember its name from back in Era Fire. Yeah, they're brought up one time before. Yeah. They... Anyway, they there's there's a hoard of gold in there, so they go in and they take a bunch of gold and they need more pockets to put it in. So that's when Fenris changes back into Fay and fills pockets with mm-hmm. gold. Plus, we get the really heartwarming scene between Rowan and Aelin. She's like... Their wedding rings. Well, in the human world, we uh, we exchange rings. So, here you go. I stole this for you. <laughs> Just like a teenage assassin would. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to my roots. <laughs> Thoughts on 
the Adian and Lysandra Paranth battle that they lose. This whole section of the book made me super sad. I was so frustrated. Because it's like, on one hand, I know exactly where Adion's at with all this, and he's super mad at everything that's happened and not being informed. And, you know, we we see the blow-up at the end of uh, Empire Storms with him and uh, Lysandra. So, I mean... This this whole section of the book is extremely depressing, right? Yeah, straight up. I mean, I like you said, I understand where he's coming from. He's frustrated. Plus let's go I feel like this goes back to what what book was it when he had this whole fight with Aelin because she was doing things. It was right after she killed Arabin, wasn't it? Cuz she was had yeah. this whole plan and obviously like Rowan knew parts of it. But he didn't know any, so he didn't know, and they had this huge fight. I mean, the next morning it was fine, but... I think it was Queen of Shadows. Yeah, I think so. But I think it kind of goes back to that, because I feel like he always thinks that he's the man left out of the plans when he is... I mean, he has a lot of knowledge, and he... I feel like he's just like, why are you using me? Like, why can't I help you? When that's all he's ever done, is just help and be of service and do what's best for Aelin and the people. So, I understood where he was coming from. But how he responds is not always the best way. (laughs) I am so, so back and forth. Like, mainly one way, but, like, so much back and forth with Adian in this book in how I feel. Because I have thought since the moment we met him (laughs) multiple books ago that that he does just always seem to get the short stick for mm-hmm. some reason. Like, you know, this entire time, his entire life, he's been doing things for the betterment of his people, of Terrison, of Aelin, of, you know, he's been doing everything right as much as he possibly can with what he's given. And it it does, it just seems like he gets screwed left and right. Like, on everything, mm-hmm. whether somebody means to, whether, like, it wasn't, um, you know, wasn't the intention or whatever. And then, yeah, it does. It's, you know, it does seem like he's constantly left out or an afterthought or, um, you know, set aside for something else for the betterment of the larger group. And so I, like, yeah, I definitely can see where his... You know, after a while, he's just frustrated and upset and, you know, lashes out in ways that he shouldn't, Um, you know, and then the one thing that seems like he's ever wanted for himself ends up being Lysandra, and he just hasn't handled that very well in this book, Uh, you know, the end of that book and then uh, the last book and then um, this book. You know, it seems like, you know, that's the one thing that he's ever wanted for himself is that whatever relationship with her as it's gone on. And then at the end of Empire of Storms, when it does come out about her deal with Aelin and it just seems like, oh, it's another smack in the face to him with how things have gone. So, like, I can totally see where he's at. 
But he, the, the way that... I was so mad at him. The way that he spoke to her and treated her and acted around her was just horrific i absolutely horrific i was so pissed for what he did to her i was i i I was so infuriated like and i had not felt that way about one of our main characters Mm -hmm. this far until that and i I honestly was like what the hell are you doing and i i had to stop reading for like a day because i was so upset i think i stopped reading too because i was like oh no Mm -hmm. like audibly was not okay because even though he's had all of these short sticks and bad cards dealt she has two right she has two and she has also just done the best that she can do with whatever that she's had Mm -hmm. so they're both getting the same shit you know and then he takes that out on her and she still is doing the best that she possibly can. So yeah, I really hated that part because all I've wanted for either of them, whether they were together or separate was to like have something good. <laughs> and it just yeah, I seemed thought, like it kept being like, right. And it was something I thought like they both deserved after everything that they had yes. both been through. And I'm just like, dude, I understand, but come on, man, you cannot act that way. You should not act that way. No, like, like, Ugh. I'm getting mad. Throwing her out it. in the cold with no clothes and saying the things he said to her. Um, no, I was not okay. Well, especially knowing her backstory. Yes. Like, yes. Well, and it, it was it Ren that called him out on his bullshit that was like, what have you done mm-hmm. after that? Yeah. <laughs> Enough said. Hmm. <laughs> I was pissed off. Yeah, I was too. I I was hurting for him and pissed off at him at the same time because it's like, because he knew he didn't mean it. Mm-hmm. It was just like lashing out, but not okay. Right. Not okay. But it's like things out. like you can't take those things back. Yeah. Which he finds out later. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, but damage is already done at that point. And like, I don't mm-hmm. blame her for not forgiving him for that. Nope. Saying, I want nothing else to mm-hmm. do with you at all. Yeah. I don't blame her. No. And it makes me sad because I really did like him as yes. a character. Not that I don't like him still, but there's consequences for things you say and do. Like, yeah. All right. I, which all sucks. Right. Which it then sucks, sucks for it him sucks. because it's like he had, you know, he had a, a period of bad attitude yeah. about it. But he had that one major point of like seemingly unforgivable Mm -hmm. actions and words that it's just like, sometimes people fuck up though. So it's like, I know like he should be able to come back from it, but she shouldn't have to forgive him. Exactly. Okay. Sorry, Sky. Sorry, Sky. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. We got in our feels for a second. All right. The guy has given his last 10 years and devoted it to the people of Terrison. More. To a queen he didn't know was alive. And then she rushes back in 
and then is taken away. And we play into this story where he doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Any of us in that situation would have been pissed. He's gotten so much emotional whiplash. Exactly. So I mean, I get it. You and know, we we've, we've all yeah. been there. We've yeah. all said things we don't we don't mean when we're mad or yeah. you know. And his might have been harsh, but in my mind, he had every right to hate both of them at that point in time. To me, it's not what he said. Because I understand that, speaking out of anger, I completely get that. I've been there. To me, it's the actions that he took. And just because you are extremely pissed off at somebody or hate them at that point in time does not mean that you need to open your mouth and say something about it. Does not mean that you need to to make those words. Like, take a breath before you say something that you're going to regret. When, or just when did if he you have time to take a breath? If you end up hating somebody, just don't interact with them anymore. Quit giving them longing glances. <laughs> he 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 had no choice in the matter. Because Aelin planned this out for him and the whole thing. She's like, "Well, you yeah. and Lysandra now are going to have to bear heirs to Terrasen." I, I How could you not, in his situation, be like, what the, f- you know? Where's well, my say in And it? he was, yeah, no, totally. I just meant in that now, I don't necessarily point in the tent. See, to me, it's not the words that were said. It was the actions. Because I, I don't, like I, said, I don't I, disagree with, you know, as we go through this, he... I, he was just a straight-up dick. I'm but, not condemning I mean, him at all. I feel for him so much. Right, and I agree that he had every right to be upset and feel the things that he was feeling because, he, like we just talked about, he's been shit on time and time again, and then all this happens, and he had no say in the matter, no idea what was going on, and then all these, like you said, decisions were made for him. It was just the things that happened after the words. I'm not going to lie. If I were him at that point where Maeve had taken her, I would have just turned and walked into Morath and be like, all right, black collar me. I'm fucking done. Just, I mean, seriously. I mean, he's he's been dicked over so much up to this point in this story by Aelin that how do you not just walk away? Loyalty. He is, one, honestly, probably one of the most loyal characters in this book. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I mean, good for, good for him. Don't get me wrong. I definitely have. Well, and I mean, that's like, that's his character trait mm-hmm. is his loyalty. Mm-hmm. 100%. Regardless of the situation. It's always, it's unfaltering. Absolutely. You throw in the can. Be like, nah, I'm done. I'm good. I think I at that point. Because, I mean, that's, that, the end of Empire Storms is a huge deal for Adian. Because now he's got to go back to Terrison, the place he's been protecting since, what, it's 10 years, right? And he's got to lie to all of these people who trust him and believe in him, other than Darrow, obviously. But, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I feel for the guy. I, I don't like the end of Empire Storms. And I, I get where you guys are coming from for the first half of this book with his relationship with Lysandra, but at the same time, it's like, I, I don't like it, but I get it. I wish he, how do I say this without sounding 
horrible. You just sound horrible. When he threw her out of the tent, to me it didn't scream, I'm throwing you out of the tent. It's just like, I don't care what you do. You know what I'm saying? Naked? Absolutely not. And I, maybe I shouldn't say it this way, but I'm going to. That is the viewpoint from a man as opposed to the viewpoint from two women. Because Re- that, reading that interaction. Because that, that was the point where I was extremely pissed. I read it and I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Interesting viewpoints. Yeah, because that, that was the moment that I had to put the book down because I was so mad. Because I just did not think that that behavior was okay, regardless of the situation. I might have to go back and reread that. Due, due to, along with the things that were said, due to the backgrounds of both of the characters, due to everything that's going on, yeah, there was just, it was, it was very major. Mm-hmm. It was a very major thing. And don't, and, and don't get me wrong, this is, that was one of the few ships in these books that I was actually like, excited about yeah because it it was one of those more like slowly built over the course of what three three books four yeah books? something like that yeah, yeah it didn't feel rushed like many of the others exactly yeah 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 well and yet again i you know my hot take on their situations is like i have felt bad for adian Essentially, since the moment his character was introduced, mm-hmm. I have, you know, like I, I've, I felt bad for him. I've grieved with him. I have like just everything that was supposed to be for him that he just keeps getting shut down left and right. So, yeah, the whole like, I was sad for him, but I was also sad for them. As, you know. As they were going, I'm not saying I thought one or other of one or the other of them was in the right or the wrong. I, you know, no, I think they both deserve better. Yeah, in general, mm-hmm. in their life, yeah, for it's sure, better than what they've been dealt. Mm-hmm. Definitely the most rough section of this whole book to read. I mean the the Aelin stuff at the beginning is is pretty bad, but the constant beating that. Adion, Lysandra, yes. and are taking throughout this section of the book is intense. Just trying to trying to stay they're, afloat, man. Yeah, like just doing their best and not being able to catch a break, and then think that you know, it, one step forward, five steps back, constantly over and over and over again through these battles. It was rough. It was so, depressing. It, it was. Parents sucked. Parents was parents was a rough a rough section of this book to read. Yeah, it really was. <sighs> Thoughts on getting to Aniel with Kaol and Irene and the Kaganat, the Lord of Aniel. Irene's pregnancy. You know, thoughts on any of that? Meh. That's kind of what I was yeah. going to say. It was like, oh. It, it was there. It happened. Yeah. We, like you said, we go from this, this brutal battle on the northern side of this continent. And we go to Annie Allen. It's just like, 
well, we can hold the walls. It's like, okay, guys, that's the great. The British are coming. The British <laughs> exactly. are coming. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm I'm kind of there with that. Like I could have, I could have done without that section. It was, you know, you had that little bit of um, pulling at the heartstrings where Kale's dad shows him the big trunk of letters that were from his mom the entire time that she was writing him letters, and which stuff. I thought was harsh. Like for a parent to do. Well, he threw out his kid in the snow when he was a child. So I mean, what do you expect from the dude? Father of the year. No one said he had improved in his douchery. No joke. Yeah, I I thought that was rough. To, but I don't know, because Kale always talked about how, like, well, yeah, like I came here and then my parents never wrote me or said anything, so I just never went back and yeah. Then he has like all those harsh moments when his dad actually does come and see him, and it's so surface level, like with his with his dad, and it honestly didn't surprise me that he would do something like that. But no, it wasn't surprising. No, it was just a little like, of course, of course, of course, yeah. But other than that, I was just kind of mediocre. <laughs> yeah, it was just okay. I mean. It, it it's like the necessary evil of this book that this section is in there. Yeah, yeah. It it, it was just part of the journey to get to the the end. Correct. Thoughts on uh, when Dorian goes to Moroth? Cool, my boy. And that <laughs> my boy. your reaction to me when you were reading that. <laughs> <laughs> I love Dorian the so much. Real hero of this book. <laughs> I swear he might be more powerful than Aelin, in my opinion. He's got all these different powers that he is just like honing in and perfecting. And I'm very impressed with him and how quick he is learning everything. And apparently he can just feel somebody's magic and then duplicate it. That is one thing. I definitely liked the um, the brain scheming of Dorian during the Morath part and with Maeve. But I disliked the, oh, jack of all trades sort of thing because it, it was another point that, that I think I made in a different episode in one of the earlier books that it just seemed like one of those points in a fantasy magic book where it's like, oh, this character can do this. Oh, now they can do this. Oh, there are no rules to anything in this world. Oh, he just gets this. It, it just seemed like there were no, there was no like strategy or rules to it. It was just, well, Dorian can do this and this and this and this and this. See, and I took it as a point of irony because his dad was the one that rid, rid the country of magic. So I took it as a point of irony, like, Okay, so my dad did all this and got rid of it, but then now I have the son that has all these powers. So that's how I took it. So I liked it. Because hmm. I thought it was a nice, it was a funny, I thought it was funny. Like, oh, look at, look at that, now he can shapeshift, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I think I was opposite. It's like, well, I did end up, you know, liking how they made the shapeshifting work. Um, you know, I thought that that was, like, rushed and didn't make any sense, mm-hmm. and... And was something that was just put in there because the author could, which I mean, she can, it's her books, but I just, it was one of those, no rules can do whatever I want as far as 
the magic in a in a world goes when it's when it's like well why can't you know joe in this town over here just randomly do that if dorian can Mm -hmm. you know um the shape-shifting and also the you know the ruining Maeve's mind sort of thing it just all yeah all I just, of that i just took the it being as... undetected by erewhon like if he's supposedly one of the big bads you really can't think that he that can't yeah. tell you're there that like w- that was a part where i was just like okay this is a little <laughs> little far-fetched if he's supposed to be this like top king you yeah. know thing that like, was like where i was like oh that okay but I saw more of the irony in Dorian having all these powers. That was my perspective when I read it. Like well, him- and they explain it, right? They explain that raw magic is extremely rare and that they don't, nobody really understands it. So him being able to use that power for anything to me just kind of made sense. I mean, maybe not necessarily the way that he found out he was able to use shape-shifting, but... I mean, magic in these books is weird. I just felt like it was a big loophole for SJM to write whatever she wanted about Dorian. With him having that raw magic, it was like, oh, you know, really untapped. It can be used for anything. So we're just going to make it use, be used for everything useful. I don't know. Like almost like, like it, it was using it to tie up any... Any loose ends. Yeah. Oh, Dorian can do it. Oh, you know, like, oh, this will work because Dorian can make it work. I can see that. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's kind of where I was at with the way that his story ended up going. I can see it. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, just my thought. I did like the whole sequence of that scene, though. I thought it was... Very interesting. I literally had to read it all in one sitting because I kept like, oh, come on, come on, come on. What's happening next? I was I, I was really confused with the character behavior when he and Maeve were making their alliance. I thought and that talking was about, stupid. Yeah, and talking about like marriage between their kingdoms just to unite the kingdoms. And, and I thought it was so unbelievable in the storyline that it, it like... The reader's not going to believe that's actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. Maeve is not going to believe that Dorian's actually going to do that. Dorian is not going to believe that Maeve is really going to go along with his plan. Nobody's going to believe this. Well, especially so the why history. even put it yeah. in there? Yeah, especially like the history that like the two groups have had. Like, did we forget who she is, Dorian? Like, why would you even offer that? I don't know if he was just trying to prevent more bloodshed or what the case was, but it, like you said, he had to have known that she wasn't going to go for that. Well, and and other than the characters not believing it between themselves, as a reader, I didn't believe that at all. Like, no part mm-hmm. of that did I go, you know, that's one way to think about it. There's something you could do, Dorian. I went, what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. here? And how is this relevant to anything? And what's yeah. what's what's going on here? Because this is not anything that makes any sense. <clears throat> I thought that was just a pointless part. The way that it was done. Like, I don't know. I don't. Listen. <laughs> I, I mean, to me, this, it, it becomes a mind game. He gets into Morath. He's like, oh... Mave is here. 
here's another big player that I need to know how to play. And I think at the end of this whole sequence, we see him laying out his cards and how he's played it this entire it's what it's a few days he's there right mm-hmm. this entire section and he played him perfectly and he won mm-hmm. and i mean even from the beginning of it when they're making this deal i'm like dorian's playing and he's playing hard and he is one smart dude yeah. But but I mean we we know Maeve is playing too at the end I of the section. I was gonna say because she wanted the other keys. So I mean I don't you know I don't think at the beginning of this it's meant to be believable. <coughs> I think it's meant to say to put us into a perspective, uh, perspective of who is who's the one who's gonna play it right out of both of them, and it just so happened to be Dorian. I don't think that they're supposed alliance or truce or whatever to get the word key and get out was a bad plot point to put. I think the way that it was portrayed and the way that it was written and what was proposed between the two of them was the part that I'm like, that makes no sense. You know, the, the marriage between kingdoms to rule together. Like, I don't think that, I think there should, they should have, proposed their supposed alliance a different way than that mm, i mean in my opinion as somebody who likes history a bit more than you i mean that's that's what that's what marriages do in medieval I know, times i know this i know that that's a common thing to realistically have happen i'm saying between these two specific characters it was not believable whatsoever that either one of them would propose that. Well, I was a little confused because like doing conjoining like their kingdoms or whatever because it was essentially to give her a place to rule, correct? Is what was stated. So she would have a new land of somewhere that she could call hers. Yes? Because all of her people of Doranel have left her. Right, right. But then like, so she doesn't have anything He's got a broken kingdom, no castle. <laughs> so I'm just like, I don't really see what you're getting out of this. <laughs> That's fair. I guess I didn't, I didn't think about it from that side of the... It's like, neither one of you really have anything right now. So, <laughs> Other than, like, the keys that were... Which is really what we're talking about. Yeah. So... The most important piece in this whole book is those three keys. Yeah. I, I mean, I did like how when she finally turned on him... And snatched into his mind that he was like, oop, uno reverse, snatching your mind and wrecking it. (laughs) I think, you know, he makes a point of saying, you know, I could have just killed her, but I wanted to, you know, leave her there to her fate with Erewhon. Um, You know, we could have saved a lot of shit if he would have just killed her. It wasn't his kill. I'm just saying. Apparently, we have a lot of big opinions on uh, that portion. Apparently, this whole book. Yeah, I was going to really. say, man, we haven't even gotten to the end, and we're <laughs> no, just back and forth. We haven't. Um, um, any thoughts on when Dorian meets up with Aelin and Rowan and Kale and Irene and group, and they do the whole word key thing? 
first, his and Kale's reunion. I cried. I cried. Oh my gosh. They they both cried. They were both so and like honestly happy and relieved to see each other. I, yeah, and I'm a, I've been the one that has liked Kale. You guys have been hit or miss with him. But I love their friendship. Yeah. And I loved this reunion. Yes. I, this is literally one of the parts where I cried. Because yep. it was so sweet, so genuine. It and was I just, so I, good. I needed it. I really needed it. It was good. I, I definitely enjoyed that. And like Dorian's reaction to K.L. walking mm-hmm. and then to his wife. Yeah. And if you're about to shit on this moment right now, I don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. <laughs> and it, just their reunion. Just We're talking about just their little piece of reunion. Yeah, it was okay. Okay, there you go. He gave his opinion. It was okay. Anyway, it was fantastic. <laughs> that opinion is wrong. Which, <laughs> he, he didn't shit on it. He just said it was okay. But anyway, that little tidbit make me, made me think of Aelin's reaction to seeing that mm-hmm. K.L. could walk again. Yeah, that was cute. That was really sweet. She got so emotional over that. At a point in um, time where she wasn't emotional over anything. A much better reunion than the latter. Than the... Whatever. Shut <laughs> up. Anyway, thoughts on Dorian and Aelin um, doing their whole word key thing. Word gate. All right. Let's get into it. <laughs> He's because like, that this, one bumped. <laughs> this is the first section of this book that absolutely wrecked. Me personally is when they go in and their magic's drained and <coughs> so hold on what what do they just go over, set the scene? Well, okay, so Aelin now decides that everything is a democracy <laughs> and they take a vote <laughs> among the leaders of the uh, what is it, Kaganet? Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the rest of the leaders of the army. I mean. And they decide that they are to use the word keys to seal the gate immediately. So Rowan convinces Aelin to leave, uh, not to leave, to go with Dorian and do it together. And she agrees. So they go into Endovir and do it. Because they're traveling and they're right at Endovir. Right. So we start... We get this scene where they get portaled off into a dimension between dimensions, right? A world between worlds, yeah. And their magic just starts getting taken away. Being siphoned out of them by right. the word gate to be to make itself completely formed. And mm-hmm. we I mean, we know that Aelin's magic at this point is pretty astronomical. Yeah. And Dorian's is almost on par. But as soon as he starts to to feel left out and his dad shows up, I was I was crying a little bit. I had tears streaming down my face because it. I mean, you know, we we've seen this such this uh, love hate relationship where his dad's like, "I did all this for you," you know, and we we get it at the end of uh, was it Queen of Shadows? Yes. Yes. Where he comes back after being released and yes. Dorian then Queen, kills him. Queen mm-hmm. Shadows, yeah. yeah. And we get that speech. He's like, well, I did this for you because, you know, 
blah, blah, blah. And then he shows back up and he's like, I'm doing this for you to help make up for the things that I've done. And I, I just, I thought it was, I thought it, this whole section was extremely well written. Um, who? <laughs> it was, it was needed for Dorian. Like he needed that. Yeah. That little interaction, even though he didn't think he needed it at the time. I don't think he, he thought that he, I don't think he was still open to that at that point yet. He got the goodbye from his father that he didn't get before. And I think, I think that's just a really kind of important thing in the driving point to the end of this story too. And where Dorian kind of ends up. Yeah. It was a, there was a lot to that part when they were in, well, like, you know, she'd kicked Dorian out at this point, but when Aelin was doing the whole word gate thing, it got a little bit confusing there for a while with, you know, all the gods showing up and, and talking about their deal with the humans and taking Erewhon or not and releasing Elena or not subsequently not and that part was sad yeah I felt really bad for that because I know like that was like the big concern that Dorian had found out that if all three keys were found then Elena would disappear from the world she was in and then when she was trying to keep that keep her there they're just like "Ah, we don't make bargains we don't do that you know I felt in that in that part, one I was like, "Oh shit!" You know, in the I loved it, but I I felt bad. You know, I subsequently feel bad for Gavin, right. who you know will never have his mate again, right? Which is I know who they were trying to, but I do not feel bad for Elena, no, because she was the one who fucked this all up in the first place, right? I you know I I don't I thought that was a bad bargaining chip to trade Elena for Erewhon. I disagree. I mean... I mean, I can see how it was beneficial in the story, but I didn't think... I think Elena is really kind of the major driving force behind each thing that's happened. And yeah, she screwed up, but it was really uh, Brennan, who was her father, right? Brennan. Brennan, who screwed up. Because he didn't tell her what the lock was for originally. Had he just been like, hey, the lock is for um, sealing the gate and not Erewhon, then she wouldn't have went and used the lock on him. Well, didn't he not have a chance yet to tell her? No, that he'd been sitting on the lock for mm-hmm. a while before she took it to go and stop Erewhon. No offense, parents not telling their kids what's not going right? on. Like, that's crazy. It's not always their business. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not. But, you know, you have the key to saving the world literally right there at your fingertips. And you're not using it because your wife's soul was the one who forged it. 
but your daughter steals it. I mean, there's well, a huge fallout on the on the back end of this between her father and her. Yeah, that was a whole thing, though, is he didn't tell her because she had married Gavin and it was, you know, human fae thing. And so it wasn't, you know, he wasn't sure that it was secure and, you know. Plus, I think we've kind of so learned I can see that, where that knowledge is kind of a power and a curse mm-hmm. in this series. Yep. So there could have been a moment where... Yeah, like, she married Gavin, so he didn't tell her, but maybe he was trying to protect her, because that's been a common theme where we don't give out information to protect those that we love. With great knowledge comes great responsibility. You ever seen Spider-Man? What's Spider-Man? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there might be there might be some grace to be given there. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And we won't know. Yeah, we all have our own opinions on it. So, I don't know. That's fine. But I really liked how this part was written. It did become a lot because there were so many people that were involved with all the gods coming into play. Like yes, you said, it yeah. was it was a lot to keep track of. There were parts where I had to go back and reread for a second. But I did not get emotional like you. Well, and the whole concept of these, like the, them being the gods, but but they're not actually gods. They're just they're just beings from another world that have come into this world but aren't seen they're just other beings just like the vulgar other beings you know they're not necessarily gods they're just other beings that came from a different realm zeus was not there (laughs) unwittingly and now are sent back to their realm you know so that that part was just a little yeah. like weird. The concept of it, like it, it, it ended up working out, but the concept for yeah. me to grasp with the rest of the story was kind of like, what? Wait I, a minute, what? I did like the when they got. This is gonna <laughs> sound harsh, but when they got rid of Elena, because I was just like, yes, bring out like the stern, like no, we're not doing that crap. But stop, let's not talk about it. Yeah, they make a decision. Yes, like this is what I want. Like when we were saying like way earlier in the series, you remember when you were saying how. No, I want the assassin. I want to see the assassin have no mercy on people. Mm. Just go in. That's how I felt this part was. And I really, I really, I was glad she made that And choice. it was Deanna, too. Yeah. So, which was just another, like, kick in the teeth to Aelin. Yeah. But I liked that choice. So. Yeah. So it was good. I, I did like the, um, the little bit that they put in with, you know, them getting new tattoos and Rowan thinking mm. to put some word marks in there to link her back to him. So I thought that was a cool part to put in that that made it something believable for her to get back to pull on that mm-hmm. that tether there. Uh I'm gonna be totally honest with you. I do not like the way that these gods are written in this book. I it's just it's confusing. It yes. doesn't make a lot of sense yes. because to me, they're, they're still mortal from different planes. I don't know. It just... There's this, something, yeah. This section of the book is confusing to me. I mean, you know, typically... I, yeah, I don't know. Well, and the big question then with those... Because it was, it was just 12 gods, right? Yeah, 12 of the... It was the 12 36 gods. or whatever. That it's like these quote-unquote gods beings from their own other world were able to be sent back to their world. What of like the other gods? Yeah. You know, in the southern continent or like um you know, uh 
Hellas, Lorcan's, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, push in a direction. You know, the the ones that they talk about in this series, but aren't part of this twelve group of so, gods. It's like we we subtract the twelve. We have twenty four. Greek gods compared to, you know, mortal mortal gods. So I think like Hellas is would be compared to Hades, right? That would be the yeah. But so these are the gods that the people probably worship before Mala and Diana and everybody showed up, and that's why they're still. It just was not clear whatsoever. No, I do. Is, I agree not. with you that I did not like the way that the quote-unquote gods of this book were written and the the storyline for them it, it was just a little weird it was a little it was very confusing but then we get this really cool scene of Aelin falling through falling through all these worlds after she essentially seals all the gods gates and says screw you guys i'm going yes <laughs> yeah and and ends up making it back home and we're not going to dive too much into this because some people haven't read other books, but there are tie-ins, so just keep that in mind. It's me. Um, I'm the one that hasn't read the other books. To make a another point right before this section where Dorian meets up with that group and then they end up doing the word gate thing, back at the end of... Um, when we were in Annie L and that's when Aelin and Rowan and crew show up like to meet up with Kaol and, mm. and Irene, that's when they meet up there, like in the battle, they end up showing up and, and we forgot about the whole, um, you know, she saved the, the armies Oh, Kashin's army ends up showing up and, what to me this is just such a minor plot point because it doesn't have much sway on the story as a whole the only part that i think is important there is the fact that we find out that she has been tunneling into her magic since essentially since she was kidnapped so it'd been what four months at this point they said Mm -hmm. that she's been tunneling further and further into her magical well um to be able to preserve uh, a final blast that was supposedly made for, you know, going to be made for Maeve. Um, but then she ends up using it at Aniel to protect all of the armies and and city people and all of that. And She's basically Superman. Uses everything there. She flew in, saved the day. That's how I took it. <laughs> but then after that, you know, once we get to the, the word gate thing, she loses all of her magic except for that last little tiny bit that Mala gives her before sending her on her way. And her mother's gift of water, right? And the single yeah. drop of water from her mother's side that she was able to keep. Um, so she did her big blast. She lost all her magic. Now she's back in... Has just a teeny tiny little bit, same as any commoner magic folk. Alright. So let's, they let's... move on. They move on. They encounter, you know, they realize they're gonna be um 
late in getting to Terrasen and not make it in time to save the day and run into the little folk and the Lord in the North. Who gets them there super quick. So we jump back in from the Wordgate stuff and everything at Orinth is gone straight to hell. They've been battling a while now. What, close to two weeks? Does that sound right? That sounds maybe a little long. Maybe it's a little long. I thought it was like five days, five or six days. Uh, Manon shows up with the... Crokins, Crotians, however you say it. I call them Crokins because I don't know why, but... Yeah, it's Crokins. Is it? Crotians. Maybe I call them Crotians. I read it digitally. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's Crokin. Um, and we hit the second part of the book that just destroyed my, my soul. So they're, they're in the middle of battling, and, and it's going south. Things are not going well. They're seeing just leagues and leagues of more soldiers just oh you know coming over the horizon and then finally the sky starts getting dark because you hear a bunch of and see a bunch of wyverns and and witches flying in and um so at that point in time i multiple characters were like internally thinking well this is it we Mm. can't we can't do anything from here. We can't we can't battle the witches that are going to be picking everybody off too. Right. It's it's over. We're done. You know, we did our best and that's that and then all of a sudden from the other side of the battlefield, you you see more come in and they start landing on the battlements and and Adian realizes he knows who is leading them. And it's Manon. And 5,000 Crokin witches. (laughs) I really like the scene leading up to this where they're like, and so this this call goes out to all the the Crokin witches and... Oh my gosh, (laughs) I, I, my heart at this point in time. Yes, that description. These ladies with families are walking into closets or climbing under their beds, grabbing their brooms and flying away and their families are like... What just happened? Mm. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was just a really cool kind of lead up to they, what comes after this. But They set the scene for Manon taking the hearth fire and lighting all of the, the um, like sections of witches at that camp. And then the last one taking off to go find the rest of the groups of crooked witches or whatever and then yeah it goes into the scene of you know them finding you know just a a bunch of them coming out of little towns you know finding their old brooms in the closet or under beds or by the doors and just moms leaving families or you know and and cities uh cities seeing these witches just rise into the sky and fly away and and being just confounded that they were here all along like oh my goodness and then and then they point out that you know as they're traveling along north super fast towards Terrasen that they would just keep joining keep coming in keep coming from different directions you know meeting up with the group and and going it was a really really cool like scene 
I agree. Yeah. And what a moment for her to like have all that under her and finally be recognized as queen of the witches. Yeah. You know, I I was proud. It's like a proud mom moment. Finally. Good job, honey. Yeah. You you did it. You really (laughs) did it. And, uh, but yeah, it was very, very well written. Yeah. Very well described and. Yeah, it was good. Absolutely. It's, it's such a short-lived win moment for Manon. Yeah. Because, uh-huh. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Volg bring the Witch Towers to Orinth. Mm-hmm. In the early battle, Adion and Ren. Rolf. Rolf. They destroy two of the three. Yeah. With using uh, explosives, explosives underground. Yeah. Right. They cripple the third one. The third one gets fixed. Turns out uh, the Blackbeak matron is on it, and they fire it once and could just... Into the sky. Decimate the Kroken forces and... That are battling the Iron Teeth in the sky right then. Yeah, which they didn't, just they didn't have all. a lot anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean 5,000 compared to the men... Like, what was it, like 50-some thousand that they had? No, it was more no. than that. It was a hundred, wasn't it? That yeah, the Volg forces had. It was a hundred thousand on the ground, right. not in the sky. No, but I'm saying like it they was, only it had was five thousand. It was a thousand iron teeth. What was a thousand iron teeth? That was with Morath right then. Because there were still some in the fading yeah. gap at that. But point. But I'm saying like in the grand it scheme of things, they were extremely low in numbers all around. Oh yeah. The yeah, but at that were... point in time, there were more Krokens than there were Iron Teeth. Yeah, but with one blow, they got rid of the majority of them. Yeah, they got rid of a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Then we get the worst line in this whole book. Live Manon, live. <laughs> and Astrid gut punches well, Manon. And... Because her and Abraxas had been taken down. Yeah, Abraxas... And, uh, Petra, not Petra, Iskra. Iskra, got into it yeah. in the air. And and Iskra's wyvern crippled Abraxas, and he, uh, plummeted so pretty much. They they start so wheeling down this, for the count. this third witch tower up. Abraxas is down, Manon's pretty banged up, Astrid... She's like, give me a wyvern. Let me go take down this. Let me go take down my grandmother. So Astrid punches her in the gut and knocks her down. And then the 13 fly off to uh, handle it themselves. Yeah. And they handle it by yielding, which is. They all slam themselves into the side of the witch tower. Well, not most, of, most them of them get to the witch tower. Some of them fall before yeah before they're getting there because they're p- trying to pound through a uh, yeah a line of other iron teeth right. Was, and then they it was all suicide. It yeah. Was, yeah. yeah, and then they all yield, which is using up. They did the yielding. Yep, their magic to essentially self destruct, mill themselves up. It's the only bit of magic that witches have is the yielding where they have one huge blow of darkness and essentially it kills them. Mm-hmm. But the 13 did the yielding all at the same time. 
Astrin, Astrin gets to the tower. Um, I can't remember her wyvern's name off the top of my head, but Noreen. She, she slams into the tower, essentially crippling herself. Astrin gets on top, tackles the black matron, and then uses her yielding, which is a bright light instead of darkness. Yeah, and it. I mean, this, and they all do it at the same time. This but whole are scene, still there. this whole scene, man, just it blew my mind. Was I was so sad because I mean. My favorite part of these books up to this point has been the Manon 13 story. And just like that, it was... They were all gone. Yeah, it was done. There was nothing left but ashes. No witch tower, no no nothing. Just ashes in a blank spot on the battlefield. And at, at this point, Manon just shuts down and... She shatters. Yeah, it's we go from like this this character who has had the most growth of this whole series as far as you know, her heart growing three times. Size. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, to she just she just doesn't she doesn't care anymore. She's like, I'm going out, I'm gonna fight, I'm she doesn't sleep, she barely eats Yeah, this was a rough one for me, guys. That was so emotionally gut-wrenching. Skylar and I were broken. I was a stonewall for this one. Yeah? We were absolutely broken. Yeah, no, I did not get that. I mean, I loved Manon and the story, but... The only backstory we got were about Manon and Astrid. So to me, this was, I mean, it was kind of told from the beginning, like, I expected them to do something like this. I expected Astrid to die. I've been waiting since she told her backstory for it to happen. Um, but the entirety of the 13, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for the way that it was, the way that it was written, the way that they did it, the obvious planning on them ahead of time without Manon to do it. it yeah, the it was just... I'm not saying, yeah, I'd say I really liked it. Like, it was a good, it was very well written, and it was a really good ending to their story, but I didn't get emotional with it whatsoever. Yeah. I really did not. And I think it was just because it was like, well, like, this is what they do. They are prepared to die for each other at any cost and so it was something that i anticipated them doing Mm -hmm. so maybe not in that fashion but like i said like i really loved loved how it was written and i liked reading that section it was so good Mm -hmm. so good but yeah i didn't i didn't i didn't connect with it like that yeah it's too bad because i mean these these books didn't really elicit any like I don't know, an emotional response for me up until this one. And then it, there, there were just like three or four spots where it was like, whew, it just punched me, in the, yeah. punched me in the heart. <laughs> yeah. And that was one of them because I, like I said, I, I enjoyed Manon's story. Um, and even though we didn't get 
backstories for all of the 13, you know, there's, there's still a real integral part of everything that's happened to this point with that story. Well, I don't think I needed backstory in all of them, but maybe more of them doing things as a group. Mm-hmm. Because there were a lot of moments where it was just Manon or Manon and Astrid mm-hmm. or three or four people. But if I would have had more as a group, maybe I would have felt differently. Mm-hmm. Like if Manon and Astrid would have died, I, I can tell you right now I would have felt differently. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe that's just what I needed. But maybe I'm just heartless. Which yeah. is not true, because I'm the crier of the group. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Orith, Orinth it, at this point is just... Chaos. Yeah, it's chaos. It's bruised and battered. And Adion and Lysandra are like, well, this is, we're done. We can't do this anymore. Uh everybody is just kind of beat down in there and then we they're losing hope um our group shows up on the west wall right uh, the west gate um Aelin rides in on the lord in the north and they with just with the cadre behind start plowing through the battlefield uh, Aelin and Gavriel make it to, to Orinth. Um, and, th- and then we get one of the coolest scenes in, in the story of Aelin climbing the, the siege tower and getting to the top and then being like, this is what Sam looked like when, when he did this at Skull's Bay all those years ago. And she fires the catapult into the tower next to it as, um, Ansel fires that one yeah, into the one next yeah, to it. Yeah, it was a cool tie, yeah. And all three of them fall, and I, I just... that The ride in and the towers falling is like the big change in, in this story, right? The, the switch flipped and the... Oh, hey, it might be possible again. Yeah. Another back and forth in... Adian's emotional whiplash. Yeah. <laughs> but he's down for the count at that point because he got a big mm-hmm. lash in his arm or his leg or something like that. And I don't think he even, like, he didn't see Aelin come in, did he? I don't think so. He was, he was down at that point. Mm, no, I don't think so. I think that was a little bit before this. He gets injured by the Vogue Prince. Yeah, but then remember, he healed and went back to fight, and then he fought and tore his stitches and had to be taken back out again. And I thought it was at that point in time that Aelin came in. It might have been. I don't, I don't, I don't recall. It doesn't really matter. So, our boy, our good lion boy, Gavriel, gets in to finally see his son is still alive and is trying to uh hold the west wall or the the gate the west gate the west gate yeah where morath is trying to get in and it would be a massacre if they ended up breaching the the walls there and gavriel's like let's do this together and adion agrees and then gavriel walks out the front gate and they seal it behind him (laughs) this was the this was the third gut punch because, I mean, you have Gabriel who's like, I'm a 
shit father. I need to be with my son. I need to get to know him. I need to make it up to him. I need to... And before that, and, and Kale's like, it's okay, you're doing good. He's going to forgive you. I wish I had a dad like you. Yeah. <laughs> and he dies. He gets his throat straight ripped out. And Adian's all the while standing inside the gate going, he could have he stayed inside. <laughs> he he could have stayed in the gate. <laughs> that was rough. That was pretty rough. I was extremely sad at this, um, but I, I did, this is one of those points where I didn't understand her writing because he's, I mean, he's a, he's a battle experienced warrior. I don't understand why he walked out the gate. Yeah. I don't understand it either. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was to try and just fight them off out there so they wouldn't be able to get in at all. He's got As magic. A- I mean, this, see, this is this is one of those tie-ins yet again in this book where it's like magic is such this great, powerful thing in this universe. Even though you know it has its limits, it has its faults. Yeah, I mean, he was low at that point. But nobody's saying he couldn't have just you know pushed, burn out, and then they sealed the gates. I don't think you come back from burnout. Aelin's come back from burnout. I don't think she got totally to burnout. Remember, that's why at that one point when she almost got there, uh, Rowan was freaking out and making sure she didn't get to that point. I I don't know. I I don't agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. I I think she's burnout three or four times in this series, and didn't, she's always come back. Didn't Dorian burnout once? Did he? I thought he might have burned out when he was, like, first. I don't know. I swear there was a moment where he did when he was first, like, using all of his magic. It was, like, one of those crisis moments where it's like, hey, I have this, so I'm going to use it, but I don't know how to control it. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know why he did that. I thought it was dumb. Yeah. I thought it was an unnecessary action and could have been avoided. I, I agree. But I think it was a... To pull on those heartstrings. Mm-hmm. So. So they did that. It happened. He did that. I felt bad. A relationship that'll never be. <laughs> You're not the only one. Adion felt horrible, too. So. <laughs> so then you've got Aelin and Rowan and Lorcan and Fenris out on the battlefield because we see uh, Maeve and Erewhon arrive. Big wave of darkness. Big big bads. They meet them out there. No, Aelin meets them out there. Mm-hmm. Aelin, just yeah. Aelin. Yep, just Aelin. Everybody else is there. inside Orinth at this point except for some of the uh, Cognate forces. Yeah. So she meets him out there and starts doing some fun mind games, pitting them against each other. Super smart. Yeah. You you starts, love your mind games, Sky. Starts uh, feeding Erwan all of Maeve's promises and fake outs and all that fun stuff. Getting I, him to second guess himself and herself. And I didn't like it. I'm sorry. You know, everything in this book leads up to this point. Where we know Erewhon is coming. 
and they've made him out to be this tactical genius. This huge, dark, magical presence that can just obliterate things. And all of a sudden, everything... I, I, I don't understand the relationship between him and Maeve at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand the relationship there because of how Maeve was left at Yeah, Morath I mean, it's, it's too. extremely like, obvious, that he isn't was, it? Yeah, was he really deceived, deceived like that in these you know seemingly what? obvious things? <laughs> you know what I would like? I would like a retelling of all these books from Erwan's point of view because the choices he's made up to this point in this book have been, I mean, tactical and and smart. But at some point in Kingdom of Ash, he just becomes the dumbest character in written in these books. Well, keep in mind, Maeve is vogue too. <sighs> I I don't like how Erewhon was written Mm-mm. at all in the series. Actually, I don't disagree. I and it's not that I didn't like the description that was given of him because I did like big bad king does all these things. He's so evil, blah blah blah. But there was no action that lived up to that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like the. Um, Dorgan's dad was portrayed as a worse villain than Erewhon has been. Yes. Honestly. Like, I didn't like it. The things that we've heard about um, his brothers seem worse than what we've actually seen of him. I just didn't think that his (laughs) reputation and what was stated about him lived up to who he actually was and what was showed throughout the books. Yeah. Agreed. Hot take. I don't like him. I don't like how it was written at all. I feel like he could have been... It could have been a hell of a lot worse as a villain, and I wanted that. Yeah. Well, Erwan starts actually second-guessing things and getting concerned with Maeve, so leaves Aelin to her and... Maeve was more vicious. And flies off to the battlements where he Mm -hmm. feels Irene's presence as a healer. And I mean, that is pretty much that. We get this really cool scene with Dorian and Irene and Alid. And Lysandra. Taking on Erewhon. It was a cool scene. It was it was a great scene. But that, I mean, that is it, literally. That was the big moment. And Erewhon is dead. And that was it. Now... I mean, the way that the way that they did that was cool, and that was very concise. A lot more concise than, like, other <laughs> things could have been more concise, and this could have been more epic. This is honestly how I felt at the end of Game of Thrones. Skylar's not there yet. I know, but you've Which... heard rumors about season eight, right? No Sky- one liked it. <laughs> I felt like it was too fast. It what that was too fast. Well, while I was reading this book and I got past chapter, what is it, 110? Yeah. And him and Maeve are, st- are still just talking to Aelin. I was like, man, this is this is not how I wanted this to go. Mm-hmm. This um, is not going to be as epic as we were expecting. Right. And it's funny because Maeve even says that. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm not going to get my big battle. That, <laughs> yeah. 
but it's been all this buildup, and I feel like it was just done. Yeah, it was a very, very quick ending to Erewhon. When we've done all this buildup of Irene as a healer and learning to be able to banish the Volg, for, you know, mm-hmm. as as a healer, and then for them to have, like, three sentences of dialogue back and forth about, you know, her kind actually being in his realm, but they're not healers, they're destroyers, and then it's just a real quick, whoop. Well, even this after... This isn't actually Irene, it's Dorian, and Irene's back here, and here yeah. comes a lead, shoving Damaris into mm-hmm. him and pinning him down, and Lysandra pinning him down, and Dorian pinning him down, and <laughs> Irene killing him, and there we go. Yeah. Well, that even, was it. even after everything Lysandra and Adian have been through with all of their multiple, multiple weeks of fighting and everything, and then I feel like the main group of Aelin and Rowan and all them show up, and it's done in five minutes. Well, I'm not surprised in that. I don't like that. I don't like the whole, like, oh, let's bring in the main character and then we'll just finish this out real quick. I don't necessarily like it, but I'm not surprised. It's not my favorite. Not my favorite plot point. And then... Uh, It is what it is to me. I mean, we knew that the big turning point in this battle was going to be the... uh, Aelin riding in and yeah, she wasn't challenged at all though. She wasn't. I didn't feel like she. Uh, she really was challenged did in much. the first third of the book. <laughs> <laughs> like I just, I want it. Show me what you can do, girl. We've been building all this up. You've been honing everything in. I mean, she has over the last couple though. This one was kind of uh, showing her internal growth. In sort of thing. I don't like that. Reverse it for <laughs> you me. You don't have to. Reverse it for me <laughs> because okay. the, this book did not do it for me. I'm straight up saying it now. Yeah. No. Did not like it. I wanted a main character to die and I didn't get that. Well, so we get to Erwan's dead and now out on the battlefield it's just Maeve and Aelin and we've got Rowan and Lorcan and Fenris rushing out to meet her. Yay, the cadre shows up. Ooh. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I understand the point of sending these three out. I just don't, I just don't like it. I don't like it. I don't know if you can tell, I got very disappointed at the last, like, 20 chapters of this book. So, I, to me, it happened, and that. That's what happened. So so what Maeve did was then put them in... I keep wanting to call it like a genjutsu. Even like. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, sent them into their own minds, essentially, and yeah. tortured them that way. And Poor Fenris. Aelin broke, thre- broke free and was able to break free Rowan and Lorcan, but not Fenris for a while. That took a little extra time. Yeah, poor guy. She ended up... Getting him back out, and then he killed Maeve. Well, he, he, he shoved Goldred through Maeve. He wounded Maeve. And then we get probably what is the best scene in this whole book. Of Aelin walking up, and Maeve is begging for her life. She's like, I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. Just let me live. And Aelin's like, you'll go anywhere? You'll do anything I tell you to do? And she says, yes. And Aelin says, then go to hell. <laughs> And slices that head clean off. Thank God. Um, By the way, I called it. 
I think Maeve is the big bad of this whole series compared mm-hmm. to Erewhon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, when we find out she's Volg, then duh. Yeah. Of course she is. So. And then as soon as uh, she's decapitated, all Morath's forces, all the Volg, they all... Dunzo. They're just done. They just they fall, fall where they are. Yeah. And then the uh, Iron Teeth that was with them flee. So there you go. Then you all have, you got everybody. And then literally everyone lives happily ever after. Essentially. I mean, that that's the end of the book. We we get the coronation of Aelin, which we, is it's a fun scene. Adion, yeah, that was cute. That Adion was cute. gets his blood oath. Yeah. Before that, we do get a very touching scene of... Um, kind of like a vigil with Gabriel's body and mm. all of those close people. Yeah, I thought that was appropriate. That, that part upset me more than his death mm. was that little remembrance part. Ugh. That was very sad to me. So, and then we get Aelin's coronation. Um, to Queen of Tarsen. And then we we say goodbye to yep uh the cognate ansel's people Rolf, not not rolls not rolls stays Ilias and the silent assassins and manon and the uh glennis and yeah the rest of the crogans who are going back to uh the waste because now it has life mm-hmm and then Dorian, Kaol, and Irene leave. Yep. Dorian, Kaol, and Aelin have their, their goodbye moment. That was, was the cute. three of them. From- I thought that was a nice, like, feel-good yeah. moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Between the three of them. Yep. And then we we go into the very, very short epilogue of this book. Of her walking out onto her balcony and the Kingsbane being... Uh, blooming in the fields outside of Terrison, which is I I thought was was a nice ending scene, but it was not what I wanted. <laughs> no, what'd you want? There's so much King's Flame. Was it King's Flame? Yeah, I thought it was King's Bane. Nope. Um, I don't know. Closure. <laughs> I, we didn't get any closure on the end of this book. We don't we don't get to see Dorian go back to his kingdom. We don't get to see Manon. There's re- not much of a kingdom yet. He's got to go rebuild. Well, he's I got mean, nothing there. Give me a chapter on him and Kaol and Irene going back and starting the rebuild. Give me a chapter on Manon and all of her group arriving at the waste. Arriving at the waste of Ansel getting back to the waste and working with them. You know, I mean, there's so many things going on at the end of this book. With these characters that we are now invested in, and we just blow it off. Yeah, but then I could see people, if we had a little bit of that for everybody for the epilogue, that somebody could come and complain and be like, oh, look at everybody's happily ever after. They all got a happily ever after anyway. I think it did leave some to be desired. I I get wanting to leave a series like this open-ended. Because, you know, it's it's bread and butter to be able to be like, oh, hey, guess what? Here comes a ninth 
thrown a glass, but... Oh, yeah, a novella, a spinoff, exactly. uh, something, yeah. But that doesn't mean that, I, you know, I don't want some closure on the end of the book. So, that's it, guys. I mean, that's that's Kingdom of Ash. Yeah. It was... It was okay. Yeah. It was all right. So, uh, let's rate it. Go for it. Amanda, go for it. <laughs> mm. I'm going to go 4.2. I, want, I wanted more. I really wanted my main character, Death. I wanted to be sobbing uncontrollably at this book. And the ending really killed it for me. I wanted more. I wanted more. So, I'm going to give it 3.9. I like the book. I enjoyed it while I was reading it. The more I have thought about it since I finished reading it, I've started to kind of pick it apart and be like, eh. But while I was reading it, I loved it. I mean, I think everything lined up really well. and So, 3.9 for me. 4.4. Good choice. Yeah. 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 All right. That was it. That was the oh, Throne of Glass series. Finish the last one. It's been a, it's been a good ride. It has. It has. Mm-hmm. The series has been very enjoyable. Yeah. Seeing the progress in the characters and then also in the author from mm-hmm. the beginning to the end has been yes. really cool. Yeah. So, what, yeah. do you, what do you rate the series as a whole? Man, there are so many ups and downs with this series. Like there was, because <laughs> honestly, like Air of Fire, Queen of Shadows, I fell in love with top two books. Like literally, Queen of Shadows is my favorite. Like I love them so much. But then there were books like Tower of Dawn and Assassin's Blade. They were just kind of like meh, 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 meh. And then there were even moments in like books like this where there were moments that I loved and then there were moments like, what? <laughs> Why is... Whatever. Just like the first Throne of Glass yeah. book. I mean, was it was up and, up, there's and a, up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, overall, I'll give it a, f- I'll give it a 4.1. I really enjoyed reading it, but there were definitely moments where I wanted more. Man, I've been really... I, that main character death, I really wanted it. I really wanted it. I wanted to be Kale at the end of Queen of Shadows. Like, I really wanted <laughs> that moment. But, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. But I really, I really did enjoy the series. It was a very fun read. And I would recommend it to anybody. Absolutely. Yeah. What's your series rating? Ooh, uh, the series as a whole, I will give a 4.2. I liked it. I liked the series. Like Amanda said, it has its ups and downs. The downs were... Some were deep. (laughs) Really bad. But the story itself is really, really... It's fun. I mean, you know... To have one person think of all of that. 
Mm-hmm. And her, it just blows her my world, mind. The her world, world is, building yeah. is incredible. Yeah. You know, the, she flushes out so much of it and does it um, extremely well without uh, Tolkien-ing it. <laughs> Where we, you know, we get into every small detail. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love the series. Like Amanda said, I would I would recommend it to anybody who's like, I need something to read. Like, oh, if you haven't read this, you should check it out. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I think I'll, I'll go 4.2. Which might be higher than I rated any of the books. I the think series. it is, yeah. It might be. Well, Queen of Shadows, you were pretty high. Yeah, I, I did enjoy the Queen of Shadows and Air of Fire. I think I'm also going to go with a 4.2 mm-hmm. for the series as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I did. Right. I, fell, I fell in love with the characters and they did a good job. She did a good job. Good job, SJM. Good job. Thumbs Good up job. for you. If you're, if you're listening to this, we approve you of your series. Well done. I will apologize to her if I ever meet her in person for shitting so Should've hard on Assassin's Blade. On Assassin's Blade because, man, that tie-in, that tie-in to the last two books was just great. <laughs> other than, oh, you know what my other big complaint about the last ten chapters is? Nox Owen just fell off the face of the earth. Yes, mm-hmm. I am so glad he came back, though. Like, that yeah. was such a nice touch. Like, they said his name, and I was like, ah, cool. <laughs> I really didn't I really didn't see him being a spy coming, though. Like, that little no. detail, I really didn't see that coming. That was when I was just like, huh, all right. <laughs> and him calling out Lysandra, being like, you don't remember who I am? I know you're not Aelin, yeah. because you, what do you mean you don't remember me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, guys, there it is. I mean, that's uh, Kingdom of Ash and our, our Throne of Glass uh, ratings. Oh, another side note. Uh, the king's name was Dorian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was that was an interesting little tidbit. <laughs> hmm so all right so uh turn glass oh yeah and so adian and lissandra end up getting back together and then getting together and planning a wedding and they're talking about having a wedding in the summer and then a lead and locket lorkin get together what is they're gonna <laughs> lord lorkin lockin <laughs> <laughs> and they're gonna have a wedding in the summer so it's like all the ships have set sail Someone makes a joke about Manon marrying Dorian, and he says nothing, and she's like, oh, we'll see. All the ships set sail. Because, of course, everyone has to end up with somebody. Right. Right. Another just, detail, I was just like, meh. Ezrin's going to be empress. Like, is is this, a, is that just like a YA thing? I don't know, but I wasn't a fan. I don't know. Yeah. Like, we don't have to ship everybody. Yeah. But whatever. Is what it is. Oh, one thing that we didn't mention was uh, 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 Elid's uncle, Vernon, in the Farian Gap, and that oh trash little <laughs> bit of little bit there was interesting, or apparently not. Whatever. I, it, it was uh, to Sorry, me. I'm it tired. was just. It was just kind of there. I also thought it was cool that Falcon met. Lysandra, and he ended up getting his years back from that spider. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. 
Okay. Anyway, he he was done. the most relatable character in this whole book to me. He's like, I'm really not an old man. No, you, you really are an old man. Are you just saying that now because you're 30? I am not 30 for another 24 hours. <laughs> when this releases, you'll be 30. Shh. Nobody needs to know that. So uh, our next book, Amanda, what is it? Lessons in Chemistry. I don't know the author. Sarah something, right? No. Bonnie Garmus. Oh, it's Bonnie. That's right. Lessons, Lessons in, chem- in Chemistry. We will be delving into that in a couple weeks. That is just a standalone single singleton book. So I'm going to tell you guys. Because I started this book without realizing it was on our TBR list before the book was even chosen, okay? So, this book is based in the 1960s about a female chemist, which is not recognized in the time. As you are reading, I'm only on chapter 7, remember the time. Oh, that's okay. Remember the time. We'll we'll do some... uh what like disclaimer slash trigger warnings yes prior to there uh, is there is a moment in the first it. oh i want to say chapter three or four it doesn't last long but just remember the times we'll go through that it'll be it's very short but all right and i expect there to be more but it is very good so far all righty name the book one more time for me lessons in chemistry there you go it was the Voted book of 2022. Awesome. So can't wait to dive in. All right, guys. Well, thank you all for listening to A Court of Books and Booze. Um, find us wherever you find podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, ring the bell. You know, you know the drill. Um, also, make sure to check out the Golden Mojo Entertainment Network of Podcasts. That includes. The Murder Nerds, The Call Guys, The United States of Paranormal, The Indiana Chiefs Fans, and Golden Image Podcast. You can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. Some of them are on YouTube as well. So go check them out. Anything else you guys want to add? We finished our first series. It's been a good time. Yay! It's been a real good time. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. Man, this was just an idea that Skylar sprouted up because we all decided to read the same book. You guys want to do a podcast? Let's do it. Let's talk about well, it. Well, we were going we to do a book club just, yeah. just with us. And so now we're sharing it with you guys. How exciting. One series in. All right. Yeah. Uh, only, what, 80 books on our TBR list to go. <laughs> And you know, it's just it just grows. I swear, like, every time that we're together, like, oh, I need to add a book or two. Yeah. Every time we're together. <laughs> On a side note, uh, with Christmas now behind us, Jess's bookcase behind her is full. <laughs> I so. need more bookshelves. I gotta build now. <laughs> there are worse problems. Yeah. Oh, what an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. All right, guys. Well, thanks for. Reading Throne of Glass with us, and uh, we'll catch you soon. Read with you later. Bye.